Hello, everybody. Good morning or good evening, good afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. But you are listening or watching the Total Basis podcast right here live on Baseball Life, the greatest baseball Facebook group ever. I am your host, Felipe Melicio. And with me, as always, is Sean Flannery. Sean, how you doing? I am great, man. Uh, got some interesting stuff to look at and uh, even something that we kind of beat baseball savant on, possibly. That's I mean, impossible. I kind of, I kind of took a hint from Mike Petriello when he put it on Twitter, but he released an article that on something that we talked about last week. So we're gonna recap that, and that should be fun. And he does a much better job of explaining it than I did last week. No way, man! You know what? You, you explained it perfectly last week. You, you're counting yourself too short here, uh, <laughs> and rapper, and rapper too short. But uh, <laughs> Jose Altuve oh, short. Uh, oh well, speaking of which, we are gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about. Uh, the game seven, well, not too much about the game seven, but just the seven game series of the uh, Astros and Rays. What I want to do, Sean, is maybe do a little bit of a recap or a, or a post-op or something something to, uh, I don't know, what went right and what went wrong for these two teams, the Astros and the Rays. And we probably should do it for the Braves and Dodgers, but we're, we are flying blind. We don't know who's going to win because it's game seven today. Game, two uh, game sevens. Yesterday was the last day until next year that there will be two simultaneous baseball well not simultaneous but two baseball games on the same day isn't that sad yeah uh wait till next year so yeah uh but let's I, you know what I, I guess we can't start this show without really talking about the houston astros um it who, who are we dong city well we're not here to bash the astros and leon says hi hello leon uh, hello leon uh you know i'm the Astros, right? So yeah. what did we learn from the Astros? It, it, we learned that, yes, they still have a lot of talent. Yes, they have uh, a lot of their good players are still good. Uh, and the problems with the pitching that everybody was getting them at, at the beginning of the season, it turns out it's okay because they have all these prospects ready to step in and step up for the team when the team needed them the most. Uh, the Fran Valdez is the Jose Arquides of the world. Uh, and, Really, it's 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 just a. It really isn't a, a celebration of sorts of what this team was all about from the very beginning, and now every team wants to copy them. You know, they want to take what they did and try to emulate it, but they're finding out that it's hard. It's not easy to just screw all of this. We're going to start from scratch and rebuild from the very beginning. That's why I always tell Cup fans, "Are you sure you want to go through that all over again?" Because there's no guarantee this time around. Because every team's doing this exact same thing. It's not like Theo Epstein's ahead of the curve. No, there's like maybe 10, 15 other teams who are doing it better than, than the Cubs at this point. Uh, so the technology is there. Yes, the technology was also in the video surveillance and, and all that. <laughs> but, you know, even then, you still – like Ben Lindbergh said at the very beginning on the onset of all this whole thing, this, is, this shouldn't be a big deal. And I thought it wasn't going to be a big deal, but, you know, the Yankee fans got affected. So it got turned into a – a bigger deal than I think it should have, but that's where we disagree here. But even Ben Lindbergh said at the very beginning, I don't, I don't think this is a big deal. It's probably not the only team that's doing it. It's just that the Astros have the most intricate, most uh, divisive way of doing this. And, and And blatant, really, really blatant. Yeah. And it's wrong, but I always go back. This is a sport full of cheaters (laughs) from the very beginning. This freaking sports that we love is full of cheaters. Cheaters want to cheat. And, you know, it's uh, – what was I going to say here? 
what do you expect? You 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 put it, you bring in the, the you know this replay system and you got cameras all over. You didn't think these players were or or, or these general managers weren't going to encourage these players and these players weren't going to take it to town and go with it. I don't, Sean. Maybe you can explain this to me. I don't understand why the moral superiority always falls on baseball players when the NBA constantly cheats, right? Or, yeah. you know, supposedly always cheats. I mean, we had a referee admit that. Yeah, I, I, I shave points. And not just the NBA, but point-shaving scandals are running rampant all the time, it seems like, in basketball. But no one bats an eye on it. Football players have been using steroids since, I mean, the steel curtain of the 1970s of Pittsburgh Steelers. They've been on steroids since the very beginning. No one cares. And hockey, well, no one cares about hockey. So, but it's like baseball, I don't know, man. <laughs> they baseball, literally have to beat each other senseless for people to care about hockey. And then they die, and, and the, all the enforcers, all the, all the guys who used to beat up on other guys, they die, and no one cares. They die before they hit the age of 40, and, and everything, oh, man, oh, that's so sad, eh? Hey, but well, at least they got to beat the hell out of some people during their 20s. Yeah, yeah fuck them. They all die. Screw <laughs> them, you know? And uh, I don't know. I just will never understand why baseball players, from the because this is – from the very moment that this turned out to be a game where the best hitters would only be able to hit over 30% of the time has been full of cheaters, cheaters who try to win cheaters who try to lose. And yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why, why people can't let it go. I mean, the due process was done. The Astros proved that they not, they weren't a fluke that they, you know, just like Barry Bonds didn't need all those steroids. The Astros proved that they didn't need the surveillance anyway, but they still were competitive in 2018 and 2019 when they supposedly stopped cheating, according to the Manfred report, which Yankee fans refused to believe in, even though they believe that they did indeed cheat in 2017, as explained by the Manfred report or the commissioner's report. So I don't know, man. Maybe, Sean, I, 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 that's my little spiel. Maybe you can explain to me why baseball players need to have this higher superiority in order for Americans to feel good about their sports in, in, uh, in 2020. Yeah, I, I know we talked about it before, but it's, you know, like a lot of the, the players that came out and spoke against the, the Astros and the uh, specifically the players on the Astros, you know, uh, singling out certain players, um, saying they lost all respect for them, that they didn't respect them as, you know, people anymore. And it's, it is some sort of, you know, like kind of uh, moral high ground, but it's all of these teams even the teams that players were criticizing from they're looking for any sort of advantage. And some of those advantages that they're peeking into really do blur the lines. And of course the Astros, what they did completely blew past the line, but all these other teams, they pushed that line too. And they've probably pushed past it as well. And of course, hopefully now with this being done and the fallout of it, no team will, try and do something as blatant and as cheating of the game as they did uh, we can hope but uh, coming back to you know the Astros kind of you know finally falling short you know uh, fighting back from the 3-0 deficit I am honestly shocked at how well they did you have to consider they lost their ace Justin Verlander they lost their closer Roberto Ozuna they got all of four at-bats from their reigning Rookie of the Year, Jordan Alvarez. They had, you know, down years from their studs in the regular season, but they did show up, as we'll see later. They did show up in the postseason, guys like Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa, and they still pushed it to a Game 7 of the ALCS. I think that's remarkable. 
It is. It, it speaks uh, to their depth in their organization. I mean, they're not the best prospects, but it's it's deep enough where they can just complement the core that they have. And Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, you know, for better or for worse, Jose Altuve is still part of that core. Yeah, I mean, and, Alex Bregman was a complete non-factor really in the entire postseason and especially yeah. in this ALCS. Well, you know why? No trash cans. That's the trash cans, obviously. Yeah. The trash cans, obviously. Yeah. It's like, it can never be like one guy could have a bad series, or or maybe the Rays are very, very, are very, 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 very good pitching staff. But let's get to it, man. Uh, that's just wanted to touch on some reality here uh, in terms of the scandals. I don't think we dealt with it as much of a, as our counterparts on, on Monday nights do. But I feel like if this proved anything, it proved that the Astros are still going to be a thorn on people's side, whether they want to admit to it or not. Yes, they but are. Let's get going. Um, so we usually do the win probability added stuff because it is the playoffs and we want to see which players showed up the biggest. And we talked about a lot of these players already, so we're not going to touch on all of them, but I do want to just pick on a few select players here, Sean, if you don't mind. Starting out with G-Man Choi, which according to uh, baseball reference, had the highest WPA among all race hitters. How do you like G-Man Choi for next year? Uh, Like I said, I think, and I said this going into this year as well, I feel like G-Man Choi, even though he is like the cult hero in on that team and in that organization, I feel like with Nate Lowe in the wings, yeah, his, his time is being counted. Granted, at his defense at first base is much better than Lowe's, and maybe, you know, Lowe gets shoehorned into DH, which wouldn't be a terrible idea. But he was great. Uh, I want to say when I was watching the broadcast last night, they said that uh, he had like a nine game on base streak so far in the in the postseason. As you can see, he batted 385, had an on base over 500. Or I guess you don't have it up, so you can't see. Um, but 1100 OPS. Uh, he was just always getting on base. He he wasn't getting out, and that's very very important. <laughs> yeah. People say that, oh, walks are, oh, all you're doing is walking to first base. That's not the most important part of being uh, walked. The most important part of a walk is not recording an out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then once you get on, once you get on base, it's, it's, I've done research on this before and it's not the, it's not the fastest guy who are the, are the most productive base runners. It's the guys who get on base the most who are the most productive base runners. Uh, if you ever look at a, at the stats for, uh, on baseball reference for runner moving from first to third, you know, guys like that, or, or scoring from second to home. It's usually the guys who have the highest on base percentage. Uh, when I did it back in 2013, it was the Joey bottles of the world that, you know, slow footed guys who were running around the bases, like nothing. Why? Because they're always on base. <laughs> that's yep. you know, a G man Choi. Yeah. When, when you're on base, that's half the battle. You're, you're on board. And you could do some damage. You could score a run. You could disrupt. You 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 become a disruption for infielders and and outfielders have to take account that okay, there's one out, but there's a guy on base that could potentially advance if I'm if I'm not paying attention, if I'm sleeping, if I don't take his speed seriously. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that is the most important thing about taking a walk is you're not recording an out, but you're also getting on base and and you have to be accounted for by the other team. Uh, okay, so Leon has a question for us. Uh, he wants to know if uh, Manuel Margot's power is for real. I don't think so, but maybe you saw something that I don't see. I, I'm looking at his Savant page because right when he posted, uh, Leon sent that, I looked it up. 
And he did post or tied his career high and exit velo. The expected slugging was still still pretty low. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he's that kind of hitter. It, it kind of reminds me of all the home runs he's hitting now in the postseason when Orlando Arcia a couple years ago had like the three or four home runs for the Brewers and he had like three all season. And that was over an entire 162 game season. I think it's just one of those, you know, I don't want to say flukes, but a fluke. <laughs> Did they announce who won the uh, uh, the MVP of the series? Are they Randy or Rosarena? So speaking of which, he's number two at the in the WIPA, the win probability added WPA at .32, uh, right behind G Man Choi. Uh, but he had a hell of a series: four home runs, six RBI, uh, another eleven hundred ops. Um, is he for real? Is he someone that we need to move up our rankings and target for next season? I, I really do like him, but his price is just skyrocketing through the roofs right now, and. Yeah. It's one of those, it's just the sample size is going to be too small that I'm not going to buy in at that price. But, you know, Kevin Cash has been calling him the Cuban Mookie Betts. Uh, Every way they keep changing how they pitch him mid-series. He did have 10 strikeouts and 28 uh, at-bats this series, which is a little worrisome if they get to, or obviously if they get to the World Series. When they do get to the World Series, you know, that's something that, uh, better pitching could possibly expose. And we know the, the Dodgers and Braves both have pretty good pitchers as we've seen in their series. But I, I think he is for real. I mean, four home runs uh, becomes the first uh, rookie to win ALCS MVP award. Um, happy for him. Good, good story. Uh, really quick. Mike Zunino hit two home runs. Yes, he did. <laughs> and only got on base three, uh, at, at 300. Uh, at, he posted a 300 on base percentage. So typical Mike Zunino stuff. I'm glad that uh, he's uh, in regular season form for the playoffs, uh, an all or nothing hitter here at catcher. But man, can you, can you believe that the Rays are advancing to the World Series with Mike Zunino as their catcher? I, they uh, showed in the broadcast last night that from their eight and nine hole hitters, they had a combined, I believe, 11 RBIs. Jesus which is just like insane to think about but you know when that happens uh good things happen if the bottom of your lineup is producing like that you're probably running games uh on the opposite end of the spectrum uh, i just want to run this list really quick and you tell me which player you want to talk about uh joey wendell who you know you know what his problem is is like he's left-handed he got shut down <laughs> in the series. austin meadows you know what his other problem is he's left-handed also got shut down in the series uh, Mike Rousseau didn't didn't get a lot of at bats, so I'm not going to count him. Uh, Brandon Lau, yes, that his name. You know what his problem is? He's Let me guess, he's left-handed. <laughs> yeah, and they're all at the bottom of the list here in terms of WPA negative uh, 0.2 or higher. Uh, which of these three players you want? Did you want to touch base on right now? Uh, I believe if the Rays are going to have a chance against whichever team they face in the World Series, whether that be the Dodgers or Braves, whoever wins tonight. The Rays will need Austin Meadows to get going. He was yeah. their best hitter, both for average, for power. He was just the, a complete hitter in 2019. And in 2020, he dealt with, I want to say he maybe had COVID or another injury, and he missed some time, and he was kind of a late start, and he just hasn't gotten going yet. But if Austin Meadows can somehow, you know, just get a hot streak in him, just all you need is five games, six games a 20 at bats 
if he can get seven, eight, nine, ten hits, uh, good things should happen for the race. I think he is their key in the World Series. They need that offense to really snap out of it. Uh, it's been really home run or bust for them. As you saw, they, they hit 11 home runs while striking out 81 times, only batted 201 mm-hmm. in uh, the series. That offense is going to need to step up, and to do that, they need Austin Meadows to do what he did in 2019. Well, you know why. You, you do know why they, they, they often struggle, right? Why did it struggle? Because they got a lot of left-handed bats. Well, that's the number one problem is right there. You know, you got to switch it up a bit. You know, the whole infield is left-handed, right? But the other problem is, in terms of batting, they're all left-handed. They throw right-handed. Anyway, jokes aside, analytics, man. Analytics is ruining the game, and it's ruining the Tampa Bay race from dominating this uh, these playoff series. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the comments and the thread last night. But, yeah, it's like, oh, analytics. That's the, the, the reason the Rays are losing or they're going to lose this lead is because of analytics. Um, oh, it's like when Charlie Morton got pulled out of the game. I saw so many takes on Twitter about that. Oh, they they pulled him with the shutout, and he was only at 66 pitches. Well, guess what? The Rays have one of the best bullpens in baseball. This is how they got there, by using that bullpen. And guess what? The bullpen carried them. They won and the game. If, <laughs> and maybe the Dodgers would have done that for Clayton Kershaw. Maybe Kershaw wouldn't have gotten exposed in his game against the Braves. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. Anyway, let's take a look here. We got uh, on the big list, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley at the top of the whip-up pitch for the Astros. I want to talk really quick on Jose Altuve. Three home runs, five RBI, 462 batting average. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know about you, Sean, but he seems to be okay as a hitter, and we can maybe rest, rest uh, to peace this whole idea that he needed the buzzers and the trash cans to be productive. Or Yeah, and I mean, it's even going back to the, uh, the study that the one fan did about he broke down how often the um, trash can went off, and Jose Altuve had it for like the lowest percentage of, of bangs or whatever. And some say, oh, that's because he had a buzzer on his leg. I, I mean <laughs> – there were even reports in the commissioner's report that uh, several players said that there were people on the roster who did not like it and did not want it to be used for them. Simply looking at it, you can kind of decide on who those guys were. The three that were at the very bottom, Tony Kemp, who came over halfway through, Jose Altuve, and the third name escapes me. They were all like under three or 4% of bangs compared to everybody else. So do with that what you will. Um, everybody thinks he's a dirty cheater, though. I still like him. I hope he does well. I think they're all dirty cheaters. If you're a baseball player, you're a dirty cheater in my book, but I still love you. Okay. Just like our uh, dynasty guru uh, team that we got going, everybody yeah. on our team cheats. I, I wasn't sure if we were going to touch on uh, – uh, are we going to talk about that today? J- or just a little bit. I, I, okay. I figured I'd throw it in there. Awesome. Well, speaking – can I – I already mentioned this on the on the football podcast with Matt Bushnell about Carlos Correa. Are you okay if I mention him right now in terms of that Dynasty League? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, Carlos Correa, uh, we picked him in our Dynasty League 30-team 30, 30 league, uh, and we picked him as our second-round pick, correct? Uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. It was 70 overall, so maybe our third. Well, at any rate, that's our shortstop, uh, mid-20s. Uh, it looks like he's finally back from that back problem issues that he's had over the last couple of years. Uh, had the highest WIPA here uh, of 0.40. I mean, he came up big in yep. big-time situations this uh, playoff series. And the most important part about him that's very important to us 
is that he cheats. So he's <laughs> going to be very productive on our team. He's going to have all the angles uh, figured out, and he's going to hit all these home runs and hit and, and hit for a, a higher on-base percentage than he did this past season. So with we all know who Carlos Correa is. Uh, Michael Brantley, we all know who Michael Brantley is. Pending free the- agent. Pending free agent. He might be uh, elsewhere on the move next year. Who, Brantley? Yep. Yeah, I you think he uh, has a, maybe a bit, a little, maybe a one or two seasons left on his tank. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna get somewhere between a two and a three year deal. I don't know where he's gonna go. Um, obviously, that's gonna be decided if that nationally keeps the DH. That he can still play the outfield, but a team that signs him is probably gonna want to rest his weary little legs. Since one, he does have an extensive injury history, and yeah. two, he's pretty goddamn old. <laughs> yeah. Really quick, uh, here's the reason why the Astros lost. He had George Springer, Kyle Tucker, Yuli Gurriel, and Alex Bregman all under negative 0.2 uh, WPA. Which one of these names? I mean, okay, besides Alex Bregman, because he's at negative 0.81. Yeah, like I said, complete non-factor. And maybe maybe he's the one who misses the garbage cans and the buzzers. I don't know, but I mean... <laughs> I don't know. He only struck out once, which, you know, to us, that's always good, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He walked once, struck out five times. I, I misread. But it's still, that's not that's not like 10 strikeouts like uh, Randy Arozarena or even um, I think Brandon Lau also struck out 10 times. Yeah, he had a couple of uh, probably two or three uh, double plays hit into. Mm-hmm. He had the uh, one real tough luck to end the game, hit that line drive right at Joey Wendell. Yeah. Uh, the ball almost went through Wendell's glove. Um, he didn't look good, but he also looked like he hit into a lot of bad luck as well. Yeah, that's what it looks like here too. But I mean, them's the breaks. Uh, your big players have to show up in these yep. uh, in these situations. But, but aside from him, because that's the obvious one, George Springer, Kyle Tucker, and Yuli Gurriel, who was more disappointing to you in terms of these numbers? I think Kyle Tucker, because Kyle Tucker had been so good both in the wild card series and in the division series, and he just kind of fell apart and it's not an indictment of him. I mean, you look at this Rays pitching staff, they have a lot of great lefties and they just kind of abused him. I mean, this was his first playoff experience really being a full-time player. I think he had been on the roster uh, last year, but didn't really play much. And it's all of a sudden when you're facing guys like Blake Snell and Josh Fleming and, Jose Alvarado, I mean, these guys that lefty on lefty is just – it's difficult. That's hard. Lefty on lefty crimes. Yep. Move, speaking of pitching, here we go. Uh, Rays, they had uh, Charlie Morton showing up big time. Blake Snell showing up big time. According to uh, win probability added, the, the, this is the percentage that they added more uh, to win these games than, than to lose these games, right? Basically, that's the dumbest way I can explain it to you. I'm sorry. Uh, Diego Castillo, we talked about him in the Yankee series. Uh, Peter Pete Fairbanks, who we talked about, uh, I think I feel like we talked about him numerous times. And uh, Aaron Sledger is also uh, at more than one point, uh, at more than zero point one zero WPA. Uh, anybody in particular you want to talk about there? Uh, I do want to highlight that Charlie Morton once again got a W in a win or go home game, mm. a winner take all game, and that gives him now four wins. In winner-take-all games, I think the next closest pitcher has two. Wow. I hope he yeah. I hope he pitches at least one more season. I know he was we, – we talked about it last time that he might retire if he doesn't get uh, his contract renewed with the Rays. Uh, 
but it looks like this playoff series is showing that he still has some uh, gas in his tank left as well. Oh yeah, uh, he hit 97 a couple. He was definitely pumped up last night. He hit 97, and it was great to watch him last night because he was pitching. I mean, he was throwing hard, but he was pitching. I mean, every time that Mike Zanino put up his glove, I mean, it was ball glove. Inside corner, he was painting to lefties. And then, he, of course, he had that great curveball, and he got a lot of ground ball outs as well. Um, he was definitely at his peak, and he seems to be at his peak when his back is up against the wall. And that's why he's done so well and had such a great win probability added because, I mean, he – basically won the game for them last night with his pitching, um, even though he didn't even make it out of the sixth because Ray's bullpen, but it, he was just that dominant for the first five plus innings. On the other side of the spectrum here, uh, Tyler Glass now at negative 0.20, uh, 1.667 whip. Uh, that's not going to cut it. Six ERA from the one game that he pitched. And then our bullpen guy, one of our favorites uh, of this past year, Nick Anderson, uh, it seemed like he was getting torched by the Astros. Uh, I'm kind of curious about Nick Anderson. Uh, did you see anything in particular that might have exposed him in this series? No, I. it might just be kind of what we saw with Chapman, uh, cumulative overuse. Uh, obviously, in the Yankee series, he had that 40-something pitch outing, and I think we might have seen some side effects of that. Of course, the big blow for Anderson this series was giving up that walk-off to uh, Carlos Correa that extended the series. So that's going to really hurt him and uh, win probability added as well. But we'll see that he'll have an extra day off, hopefully get his batteries recharged because when he's on, he's dominant. To see him pitch four and a third innings and zero strikeouts, that's like, I almost can't believe that. Yeah. Like I said, he was, uh, I mean, 2.308 whip, uh, yeah, they bear, I mean, they almost lost the game last night. If they were going to lose that game last night, it was almost because of him. And that's really unfortunate because he's been their relief face all season long. Yeah. Over on the Astros side, Ryan Presley, who, I don't know, man, he had a pretty shaky year this past year, I think. But he came up big in this series for the Astros. Uh, got the two saves, got the highest WPA among all pitchers. We all know about Framber Valdez. We mentioned Jose Urquidy. Zach Granke showed up, seven strikeouts, one walk in this series. Uh, this guy named Andrew Scrub, which uh, that was the butt of all jokes in this uh, uh, in this uh, 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 in this uh, baseball life group that we're in. And uh, by the way, for those who are listening, you can always join us live on Sunday mornings at the Baseball Life Facebook group. Little cheap plug there for later. <laughs> uh, but as we talked about all these guys before. I don't feel like we need to touch base on 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 the on the people, on the pitchers that showed up for the Astros this week. So let's move on to the negative side of things. Uh, we mentioned Enoli Paredes before, and he got torched in this series. Uh, Lance McCullers also, uh, he had, uh, I don't know, he, it shows that he has a negative 0.31 WPA, but he also had 18 strikeouts and only one walk. So I don't know. He might, I, I'm assuming that he, uh, bad luck was involved there or whatever. Yeah, but. in uh, game two that Tampa won, that was the game that started Jose Altuve's little fielding yips. And mm. in the first inning, they hit that three-run home run that all all of those runs were unearned. And then last night in the winner-go-home game, he was starting. And he really didn't look bad. Uh, gave up a gave up two two-strike home runs, one to Randy Rosarena, who just, you know, 
they couldn't get him out. It was just like home run almost every other game, it felt like. And then Mike Zanino uh, actually had pretty good career numbers against McCullers for, you know, mm. by Mike Zanino standards, he was actually batting like 240 against McCullers. And, you know, McCullers has that great knuckle curve, curveball, much like Charlie Morton. And um, earlier in the series in game two, he hung one to Mike Zanino, and he hung another one last night, just a cement mixer that Zanino plastered like 430 feet. When Zanino makes contact, he he launches that ball. Yeah. It's just making contacts the hard part for him. <laughs> All right, let's move on quickly to the Dodgers and the Braves because I want to touch base on that really quick with you while we while I have you on, on the air right now. So uh, we still have a game seven. We, we were, we're undecided as to what's going to happen there. I mean, we still like the Dodgers, right? Yeah, uh, I think the fact that it's still going and they're going to game seven now is – that has to not work out in the Braves' favor, I would think. Uh, do you happen to know who's pitching tonight? Because I, I can't think of uh, – Ian Anderson is scheduled to go for the Braves, I believe. And for the Dodgers, I would assume um, a combination of Julio Urias and um, – Dustin May? No. Um, oh, God. What's his – Gonsolin. Gonsolin. Interesting. I would this think it's going to be some combination of that because their bullpen, Trinan's been used like three or four days in a row. Uh, Jansen's been used three days in a row. Uh, much like the Astros last night, they uh, started the game with McCullers and then Arkady came in and they had Grinky up if the game got tied and went to extra innings. So I think the Dodgers are going to throw nothing but starting pitchers out there tonight. They might throw a couple of relievers like Adam Kalerik, um, lefty on lefty to face up against Freddie Freeman, possibly. But I think this is going to be a, two main starters. It's going to be uh, Urias and Gonsolin to try and get them through to the World Series. As of 12 hours ago, according to MLB.com, Dave Roberts did not establish a starting pitcher for tonight's game. So Of course he won't. Be... He never does. He's, he's <laughs> terrible about that. And then he turns around and complains that other teams don't announce their lineups or their starting pitchers soon enough. <laughs> And <laughs> goddamn hypocrite. <laughs> well, that's why he's the best manager in baseball, right? Uh, right. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, this is this has to be it, right? Ian Anderson has been marvelous this entire playoff series, but this has to be it, correct? I mean, the, the, you, you, he can't keep catching lightning in a bottle. As good as, as good as he is, he's gonna get exposed eventually, right? Yeah. In his first start, this in game two, he only gave up one hit, no runs, but he had five walks to go with his five strikeouts. Yeah. Um, this Dodgers lineup has their numbers don't look great, but if you look at them over the last three games that they, they've won two of the last three and, you know, they almost came back in, uh, game two and then they had the big blowout game three that they won 15 to three. I feel like these Dodger bats, they got shut down by the uh, rookie Bryce Wilson, but the last two, they've just been not going down. And I think that all started game two in the ninth inning where the Braves almost gave it away. So close. They came within one run. I think the Dodgers scored like five in the bottom of the ninth fell just short, but that momentum has stuck with them and they, they just kept hitting and hitting. And now we're in game seven. (laughs) 
Speaking of which, uh, hitting Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna had been uh, in terms of the WPA, and well, even in terms of the raw numbers, they've been carrying this lineup all se- uh, all series long, and we all know who Freddie Freeman is and Marcelo Zuna are, so I mean, it's no surprise to us. So let's move on to the negative side, and this might be the reason why the Braves have been why the Dodgers have been keeping it close with the Braves is because the Braves are not showing up at the, at the key moments. I mean. I mean Let's see. Ronald Acuna has a negative 0.07 uh, WIPA with uh, 320. Uh, I can't read my own screen here. A 606 <laughs> ops, but we all know who Acuna is. So yep. So anyway, these are the players that are really struggling. Uh, Austin Riley, 24 at bats, 410 ops. As his struggle as his struggles continue into this postseason. Any hope for Austin Riley that he could become anything at this point? He's I mean, he had he had the big home run against uh, Dustin May on yeah. I want to say Game Four. Um, I I've never bought into it. I just don't think the hit hit tool is developed enough. But when he ma- he's a lot like Zanino. When he makes contact, the the ball just flies off the bat and it, it makes that sound. I know when he hit the home run against uh, actually it wasn't. May, it was Trinan. Uh, it was a two-strike count, and Trinan threw him a sinker, and I don't know why anybody would do that. Austin Riley can't hit a breaking ball to save his life, and you're just going to pump a sinker right down the middle, but it just made this glorious sound. I think it was like a 450-foot home run. But I, it's I heard just, it from Chicago. I heard yeah. it all the way from Chicago. Not, <laughs> it was the shot harder on the world. <laughs> it was louder than the trash cans, the, the big bang right there. It was louder than the trash cans the Astros used. Um, but uh, Kristen Pache, who has been called in to play for Adam Duvall, and I didn't think I would come to this point, uh, Sean, that the Braves dearly miss Adam Duvall's bat in the lineup. But Kristen Pache comes in, he hasn't done absolutely nothing with this opportunity, except you know, he did he plays what well, we knew this, we talked about it in, in season before about Christian Pache fielding wise, excellent, he's ready to go. I mean, we saw him yeah. uh, do that one play in the Oh, who did he rob? Uh, he, he robbed another home run last night. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't even keep up with it. Yeah. But Pache is really struggling with the bat. 673 ops, negative 0.18 in the whip bus. So anytime he's on, on board, he doesn't do anything. I mean, I know he has a home run and four ribbies, but he's, according to the metrics here, he's uh, caused them, he's caused more uh, grief for the Braves than actual good. Yep. So uh, let, and let's, let's see, pitching, 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 and then we can move on. Oh, no, we haven't even done the Dodgers yet. Sorry. Uh, Will Smith, he got jiggy with it against Will Smith, right? Yeah, he had the, the Will Smith on Will Smith. It was Gemini Man in baseball. <laughs> uh, Corey Seager, we talked about him. He is back Stud. in better than ever. Edwin Rios, uh, short uh, uh, stint here, but he already has two home runs for the Dodgers. Uh, big time home runs too in big key situations. Now the struggles. AJ Pollock, negative 0.32 whippa. Uh, He's not good. I don't like I mean, him. he had a good regular season. I mean, yeah, 881 ops, 276 batting average. But, eh. uh, he's eh. not good in the series. Man, <laughs> just like that. Just like that. We're going to stop believing AJ Pollock. Terrible. Justin Turner also struggling in this series. Uh, even though the batting average is up there in terms of whippa. Negative point two zero. Yeah, he so. had a he had a big home run last night in the first inning that 
uh, gave the Dodgers the lead or extended their lead, which they would never give up. They got to Max Freed early. Um, Justin Turner's always hit lefties well. Max Freed, of course, is a lefty. Uh, Max Freed did do a pretty admirable job. He went seven, six and a third, six and two thirds, seven innings, something like that last night. Um, even though he gave up the three earned runs in the first inning, he came back and locked them down for the next six, really saved their bullpen. They ended up losing and he got the loss, but going into game seven, most of their bullpen's going to be their A-list guys are all ready to go because Max Freed was able to eat innings. And that's going to be a pivotal thing. Um, yeah. Walker Bueller uh, had a great start as well, but Los Angeles had to play that game to win and they had to use their A-list guys. So their A-list yeah. guys are going to be a little bit tired while the Braves are going to be slightly more refreshed. Uh, also, Cody Bellinger, 174 uh, uh, batting average, negative .08 WIPA. So uh, he needs to show up. Uh, I know he has a one home run, in the, but he needs to show up more than this. I mean, they need more out of him. They need him to be Freddie Freeman. What, what the Braves have with Freddie Freeman, yeah. Cody Bellinger should be there for the Braves and not Will Smith. I mean, as much as you like Will Smith, I mean, he's not the answer to this Braves off, uh, this Dodgers offense. Let's move on to the pitching side. Bryce Wilson, you mentioned uh, another one of those rookies that the Braves refused to uh, flip over for a veteran. And he's lucked out big time catching lightning in a bottle, had a marvelous game uh, in this series. Ian Anderson, we talked about Max Reed. We talked about at length. Chris Martin. Was he the former Texas Ranger there? Yeah, he was the uh, sinker slider uh, splitter that they traded from the Rangers last year. And he was under contract this year. They'll show off the bullpen, but not the rotation. They're very interesting. But I mean, that's, that's the reason why they're here, right? Because the yep. bullpen has been lights out. So uh, Bryce Wilson, I guess, I mean, I know they have Kyle. Oh, shoot, I forgot. Kyle Wright. Sorry, Kyle Wright as well. Uh, but any hope that Bryce Wilson becomes that mid-rotation starter that the Braves are desperately looking for towards the future here? He could be. I, I'm yeah. not ready to crown him the trifecta of you know glavin maddox and smoltz like some braves like I, I saw on twitter it was you know imagine the next five years of anderson wilson freed soroka and kyle wright and i'm like first off kyle wright just got his ass kicked I, yeah. on national television and just yeah. looked embarrassed bryce wilson had a four era in like 15 innings this year and comes in and only gives up one hit and one or it was a home run and I think that was more of just the Dodgers didn't know what to look for with them. Um, but yeah, second time tough. around, th- we're going to see it tonight as well. Um, second time around, the Dodgers got to Freed early. Look for them to do the same against Ian Anderson the second time around facing him. And then we uh, – oh, and you mentioned Kyle Wright. Yeah, negative .39 whip. Uh, Will Smith, uh, I'm telling you, man. The regular season numbers show that he was pretty good, but that four or five ERA in the regular season was a red flag for me. And he got t- torched in these three games that he's been in so far, uh, th- posting a 3.00 whip. You have to be some kind of bat to post a 3.00 whip. This is the big free agent acquisition for the Braves. $15 million a year. Wow. Yep. It was a good signing when, when, it, when it happened, but it, he's just not been the same. I don't know what's going on. Negative 0.30 whip. Uh, buyer's remorse there for Atlanta. Uh, and let's move on to the Dodgers really quick because we need to get going here. Walker Bueller, Texas Ranger. We talked about him. Uh, just a gutsy performance. Uh, has superseded all my expectations here, Sean. Remember we talked about the concern that he's not – they're not letting him pitch enough innings. I mean, he's already 11 innings pitched in this series, so he's making us uh, uh, turn around on him. 
Victor Gonzalez has a very high, uh, relatively high WIPA, even though he has a two. 0.00 whip. I don't know what the hell's up. Well, whipping only a two inning sample size is always very finicky. Okay. Well, all right then. Uh, Bruce Stark, Gratterall, uh, he, I don't know why he, he's showing up on the list with an 11.57 ERA, but a whip of 0.14. He had a um, big out, I believe, in yeah. game five. Okay. Yeah. He came in with like bases loaded or something like that. And I know he's been very, uh, very, uh, doing demonstrative, demonstrative. Thank there you so we go. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it's kind of a mixed bag with him in this series. Uh, let's move on to the negatives. Blake Trinan, we mentioned, uh, he's still. I mean, you saw it in his facial expression that he was, he couldn't believe what just happened uh, when Austin Riley just tortured, torched his sinker ball, a fastball out of the ballpark. Would you say 450 feet? Yeah, and, it, uh, it was a moonshot. Yeah, almost hit the moon. Uh, Tony Gonsolin also on the negative side here. Uh, and the Dodgers are going to have to count on him to step up big time. Clayton Kershaw for obvious reasons also on the negative side. And there you have it. I mean, we there's a lot. The Dodgers problem, a lot of guys who showed up big for them in the regular season and throughout those playoffs are just disappearing little by little. And this is what we're learning, isn't it, Sean, that in, the, in, in these championship series that – Sometimes the best players are not going to show up, and that's when the depth comes through, right? And the reason the Dodgers are still in it is because they do have depth, but these other guys need to step up, and they need to step up big time here if our predictions are going to come true here. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at Mookie Betts. He doesn't have an, he only has five hits, no extra base hits. Um, but Mookie Betts has single handedly probably saved their season at least two or three times in this series alone. The last yeah. two nights, he's made fantastic defensive plays. Uh, he made a shoestring and then doubled up Ozuna. Um, Ozuna had actually crossed the plate, and they had counted it as a run, and then they reviewed it and found out that he had actually caught it, and they were able to double him up. And then last night, uh, I want to say it was Ozuna, maybe Freeman, hit a ball right out to the, the edge of the warning track, and uh, – Betts had to jump at the wall and catch it. And it's really been defense that has kept the Dodgers in this. Um, all around the infield, Betts, uh, Bellinger in center field, they, they've played very good defense, as well as the Braves um, with Pache in center. So it's going to be a fun game seven for sure. Uh, something has to give, obviously. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and hopefully we're a step closer to seeing the Andrew Friedman World Series that we all deserve in 2020 because <laughs> – yeah, I, I can't I can't speak highly of him enough. Uh, and, and, you know, and shame on me because I, I I always forget the Tampa Bay Rays general manager. Who, who's in charge of baseball operations? Um, there, you know? Eric Neander. Eric Neanderthal. OK, awesome. <laughs> let's uh, where do you want to go? Uh, we want to talk about a little our prospects, right? Finally, yeah, let's let's knock it. out our prospects. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so we have a treat. So, yeah, this is uh this is the Total Basis Podcast, right? We talk about everything here. Everything baseball-related, we're going to speak on it. And uh, this is something that we've been wanting to do all offseason is talk about these little-known prospects. Because as you know, Sean, these little-known prospects just kind of show up out of nowhere uh, within time, right? They just uh, will come in and uh, take over the baseball world by storm because uh, people were sleeping on them. Are you able to see the screen? Because I can't. I'm, I'm yes. blind here. Yes, I can see it. Is it big enough? I don't know if I should make it bigger. Yeah, that's what she said. 
That's what she said. <laughs> For those people listening, looking, uh, watching on their phones, I'll, you know, I'll make it 200% right here, right? Why not? Oh. And the pitching too. Why not? The pitching. I, I got to go around because I'm using two screens here. So there's a hitting. Uh, I got Josh Lowe. Are you going to tell me that's Josh Lowe? That is low. That is low. Well, I'm high on him. Josh Lowe. I, I, I saw Josh Lowe play a lot when I worked in Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I, he, I he was kind of, you know, like the – he was the bonus baby on that roster. Him and uh, Jesus Sanchez. Um, I don't want to say there weren't a lot of uh, brains in that dugout, especially with the star power uh, and Josh Lowe and Jesus Sanchez. Guys that are physically gifted and, you know, very – able um when it comes to their baseball talents um low is a little bit of a, a high risk kind of yeah. has a lot of the he reminds me of a more athletic jock peterson uh what do you like about him well uh i like the pitch selection figure right there i'm assuming that's based on a, on an 80 count right i, I, yeah. I just Where, you, did you get that from fangraphs all, all of this is from fangraphs i just noticed that they had this set up like huh how did i miss it the first time around this is the first i've seen of this pitch selection so i added it in there uh but i like the power the speed the power speed combination uh as you can see the raw power is at 60 and it's already there according to fangraphs it's a 60 60 speed as well uh and the, and the future value of 50. So that means that even though he's ranked that, as I'm moving around this sheet, even though he's ranked at number 54 on the fan graph, I have a good feeling that he's going to move up just because that's how natural progression goes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, but of course, the one thing I don't like about him, he's, he's left-handed. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, he is – he could play Major League outfield right now. Um, can play center, much like Jock did when he first came up. Uh, better suited for right field. He's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, he's just a really good athlete. Um, but the the bat control, I guess, that they had up is um, a little thing to be worried about. But the fact that he did walk more this year, as I see you put in your notes, uh, upped his walk percentage, was something that the organi organization I know was very happy with just from my conversations with guys that were in the organization they said they they liked what josh Lowe did last year and then the other reason i bring them up is because i know you used to work for the biscuits so the montgomery biscuits yes uh, well i figure you had some intel on him but no i mean he this is what i look for in outfielders man just give me some power pitch selection give me some walks he had 18 home runs in double a in 2019 yeah. as a how old was he uh 20 22 year old yeah so no that's the reason i like him uh, and he didn't like said, tear it up like his brother Nate Lowe did in Montgomery, but he was still pretty damn good. And I look forward to him moving up on the rankings as well uh, as outfield. I'm always looking for outfielders in my uh, in any keeper league or uh, yeah, keep, I don't do dynasty, but any keeper league I'm in, I'm always looking for outfielders. So because uh, yeah, because uh, it, it's complicated with me. I, I as you can see, I'm still struggling to kind of explain my my uh, my prerogatives here, but. Trust me, I, I'm looking. Okay, so you know who's a good example that kind of he kind of reminds me a little bit, not a lot, but a little tiny, tiny bit. Uh, not as good, but just uh, just the profile. It kind of reminds me of uh, Jared Kalinick. A little bit. He is a very poor man's Jared Kalinick. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I just don't. I, he has more loft in his, and that's why I give him the Jock Peterson because already now it's like Josh Lowe has that uppercut and. Mm -hmm. It's something that they tried to work on and then realized that it was doing more harm than good to try and just overload them. And they said, just go hit. And 
he did pretty well, and he's got the good power speed combo. So, and let's move on to your guy Carlos Cortez from the Mets, twenty uh, three year old. And I had to do, I had to double and triple and quadruple check this. So he bats left handed, but he's a switch thrower. He is a he's amphibious. Amphibious. Um, he was actually drafted twice by the Mets. The first time in twenty sixteen out of Oviedo, Florida. Um, he turned it down, or he went to South Carolina. Uh, played a little bit of second base, a little bit of outfield. Uh, he very much is a positionless player, but he is amphibious, like I said, and I'm saying that on purpose, and I will continue yeah. to say it. Um, yeah, when he's way. on the infield, when he plays second base, he throws right-handed, but he's not a good, very good fielder. He had like 17 or 18 errors in um, the Florida State League in 2019. Um, only played the outfield for like an inning. But when he plays the outfield, he throws left-handed, which is how he bats. But on the infield, of course, he's going to throw right-handed. Pretty interesting thing. Um, he is only five foot seven. I'll do it. And um, in your notes, it says not much pop. And he's actually kind of changed that. Obviously, you look at his slash line and you see a 397 slug. And you're like, that's not very good. You know, like that he must not have much power. The Florida State League, especially uh, Port St. Lucie for the Mets, is a notoriously uh, pitcher-friendly environment. Um, and he still hit pretty well. He struggled against lefties, which really dragged down the numbers as a whole. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Daniel Murphy. He kind of he really does sit back on that back leg. And then the way he coils around, really good bat speed. And he has traded in some of his constant contact ability you know like making consistent contact um he's traded a little bit of that in to even tap more into his pull side power but he's someone that can go the other way very easily he doesn't as much now that he's trying to hit for more power but he if you look at him and you watch the the film on him you just see like this five seven guy go up there and you're like what is he gonna do he doesn't really even look like a baseball player um but he limits the walk or limits the strikeouts walks a good bit has good barrel control you know always seems to barrel balls up i'm not sure if he ends up staying with the mets um mm -hmm. like i said his defense is definitely an issue but i could see him going somewhere and actually being a really good hitter um obviously he only has the the 260 or so uh career average in the minors so far but i think there's definitely more in there and as he moves up because he is a college player. Uh, he'll probably end up at Binghamton when we come back. He He's a good hitter. Keep an eye on him. He's outside of the Mets' top 20. He's not even going to sniff the top 100 probably in his entire career, but neither did Jeff McNeil, and we all see what Jeff McNeil is now. So I see the Mets have a certain uh, approach when it comes to drafting. And speaking of approach, I, I got to mention Jacob Anthony Moses from the Ball is Life, uh, st the Step Back podcast on Wednesday nights. Uh, also agrees that he loves Carlos Cortez's approach. Uh, and, and really quick, uh, we see that there's a game power and there's raw power. Uh, you mind explaining the difference between the two for our people out there? Uh, raw power is basically what you're going to see a guy put on during batting practice. You know, just how far can he get it? Um, game power is how that player shows it in a game. Obviously, you know, kind of in the name. But it's one of those... Does he have a lot of raw power, 
but the way his swing is and the way his approach, can he successfully tap into it um, consistently in a live game setting? Or is he more of just, you know, like a doubles gaps guy um, with the potential for a couple of long home runs? Yeah, and I just want to make sure I don't confuse people because I and the notes I said it's uh, not much pop, but then his raw power is the same as Josh Lowe's. And and when I and like I said, you mentioned the slugging percentage, and I also saw the isolated power numbers, and like wow, this is like a punch and Judy hitter, but he's still an above average hitter according to uh, weighted runs created plus uh, WRC plus, which is a stat that's used a lot now. And finally, the future value is only at forty compared to my guy Josh Lowe. So. You think it's going to get a little bit higher than that uh, in terms of the future value that Fangraphs like to use? Yeah, I, I don't think the the future value will come up too terribly high just because of his defensive limitations. And he's not a fast runner. He's definitely just one of those hit-first guys. Um, but usually those hit-first guys, they find a way to get onto rosters, and if yeah. they hit, they usually stay. And like the Tommy uh, Lestella kind of guy. Yeah, oh, I, I was looking for a comp and you nailed it. That was a great comp. I love it. Tommy LaStella, Carlos Cortez, Tommy LaStella comp. I'm here for it. Yeah. So he'll be playing for the angels in no time. Okay. Yeah, totally. Let's move on to the pitchers. Uh, I, okay. I should probably make this a little tiny smaller because it's. So let's start with your guy first, Matt Tabor, 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 Tabor. Tab- I, I believe it's Tabor. Tabor. 22-year-old, throws right-handed, uh, ranked number 13 on the Diamondbacks farm system. Uh, only he's, he's out of the uh, – outside the – I don't know. I don't even know how many. I mean, because because my guy, Braylon Marquez, is at ranked number 108. So Matt Tabor is out of that ranking, maybe 120, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he's doing 2022. So I guess my first question is, why is he doing 2022 when he's a little bit older than Braylon Marquez here? When it comes, he was a third round draft pick in 2017 out of high school. Um, so he's been in the minors. I, I uh, ugh, made his professional debut in 2017. Um, only threw a handful of innings, then threw 60 innings in 2018, and then 95 innings in 2019 at A ball in the Midwest League, where he was dominant. And the thing that I like about Matt Tabor, just to start off is someone, and I've said this before, that throws strikes. How often do we see in the minors? um, We see starters, they rack up crazy strikeout numbers, and the walks are kind of high, but we just, we brush it off as, oh, he's in the minor leagues. He'll work on it. He'll work on it. And then they get to the major leagues, and the stuff is there, but they can't control it. And guess what? Major league hitters aren't going to, you know, get themselves out on the majority. You, You have to get them out. And Matt Tabor has already shown and proven that he has command and the fastball doesn't have elite velocity. It sits, you know, 90, 94. But the thing that interests me a lot about him is kind of his involvement reminds me a lot of Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's going to be the next Jacob DeGrom, but there is a connection to Jacob DeGrom, which I want to get to. But he was a he's a fastball that sits you know m- low to mid nineties um, has a good changeup. Jacob Degrom always had a great changeup. He learned it from you know Johan Santana in the minors. Um, but Matt Tabor in 2019, uh, Tabor really had his breakout year in 2019. He threw 95 innings, uh, struck out 101, only walked 16. Uh, but the big 
reason he had such a breakout year in 2019 was he developed a new pitch. And I, I saw in your thing where it says NA next to slider because Fangrass doesn't, they haven't updated it. They say he doesn't have a slider, um, but he does. And uh, 2019, he met up with Carson Cross, who is now a pitching coach in the Brewers organization, minor leagues. And they developed him into a, um, a bullet slider, which for those that don't know, it's more of a, a gyroscopic. Um, it, the main difference is you don't see the seams that create the dot that, you know, when somebody says, oh, I saw the sli- I saw the red dot, so I know it's a slider. And that's how that's what hitters do. Um, with the gyroscopic sliders, they don't have that. And who else throws a gyroscopic slider? Uh, well, basically every Mets pitcher in the last six years. Jacob deGrom developed one. Uh, Noah Syndergaard developed one. And he actually picked it up from Robert McGowan, or Kevin McGowan, who was just this relief pitcher farmhand. And they had both worked out with Carson Cross. And it's that... Uh, Jacob DeGrom, you know, was throwing, you know, 95 mile an hour sliders. Uh, Noah Syndergaard was throwing 95 mile an hour sliders, but it's that gyroscopic slider. That's more of like a cutter, but it still has a little bit of depth to it. Even though it is more horizontal in movement, there's still depth to it. And so he starts throwing that this year and all of a sudden he becomes a much better strikeout pitcher because in 2018 and in 60 innings, he only struck out 46. Now, all of a sudden, he's averaging over a strikeout per inning. So he went from really a fastball changeup with plus command to a fastball slider changeup with plus command and the ability to command all three. So I I like him. And Arizona's really seemed to be on to something the last few years in developing pitchers, it seems like. So I think they got something going on out in the desert. I'm looking forward to them. Yeah, this was a very impressive uh, profile because I, I look at it, I'm like, wow, what, 45 future value. Uh, so, I mean, that that's means to me, that's like a mid rotation starter. But as, as I dug deep in, into his numbers, yeah, this is somebody that we need to keep an eye on to see if uh, he if he can continue to just be because he's not a flamethrower. He's not a, anybody that's like, uh, what do you call it? That's going to um, light up the radar gun. Thank you. Light up the radar <laughs> gun. But he does have some intriguing stuff that makes him a very steady, very safe pick in the future, especially for fantasy baseball purposes. Yeah. So and it's so really odd cool. to see out of a high school pitcher too. In his first three years, he's walked l- only t- less than 30 batters in his first three seasons. Albeit only in 150 plus innings, but still. Right. And then uh, let's see my guy, Braylon Marquez, who's the opposite of your guy. Uh, you know, first of all, he throws for the Cubs, 21 <laughs> years old. Uh, I think I put on my thing that he made his debut this year. Tall, lanky kid, no double A experience, but the Cubs needed desperately were in need of pitchers. So they went out and uh, got the, brought this guy up, this kid up from the minors from or not minors, but the taxi squad or whatever. Left handed uh, thrower pitcher. Number three on the Cubs ranking, number 108 on the Fangrass ranking. There you go. Right outside the top 100. Uh, yeah, ETA was for 21, but he already arrived. And uh, as raw as he is, I mean, but this is the reason why I got him, man. Because, uh, so when I'm looking at, at pitchers, I'm like, looking, okay, who, whose fastball just pops up, like, on this list of, uh, that Fangrass has? And Marquez 
was the one at the 70-80 fastball. And if you can see the slider is also uh, kind of kind of working as a decent secondary pitch, according to fan graphs. So if anything, if anything, this might be a guy that the Cubs can develop as a bullpen arm coming out uh, from the left-handed side, which I don't remember the last, well, I guess I could maybe name a couple, but hopefully this is one of the answers to a lot of the Cubs prayers and getting a really good bullpen arm to come out of the bullpen. Again, a little bit raw, only 21 years old. His body needs to fill out a little bit. Like I said, tall, lanky kid. Uh, commands are it commands an issue, yeah. <laughs> but obviously. Uh, but, you know, future values at 50. So they, uh, Fangrass actually believes in this kid to be moving on up uh, in terms of developing. Uh, change up, I have a bad feeling that that's never going to come to fruition. And the command needs to improve if he's going to uh, stick in the majors. But it seems like he does have the stuff to uh, really um, – stick around at least at the very least as a, as a high leverage bullpen arm. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, just looking at his uh, fan graphs page so far, um, they have developed him as a starter and the walks really haven't been terrible aside from 2019. Um, where in his a ball, uh, he averaged, uh, had five walks per nine and in 77 innings, which isn't great, but he balanced it out with a K per nine of almost 12, Anytime you have a 6'4 lefty with an 80-grade fastball who in his debut this year averaged 98 miles per hour, um, that's going to play. And they're going to give him every chance in the world. I mean, if a lefty can hit 95, they give him every chance in the world. Just imagine a lefty that throws 98-99. If the third pitch does develop, if the changeup is a serviceable pitch, if he can command that both the slider and the changeup, he's probably a starter. Um, if one of them just doesn't work out, then like you said, he's a high leverage uh, reliever, um, which if he is straight up as a reliever, uh, I, that fastball might play up even more. Yeah. And again, I rank that number outside of the top 100. I mean, it's a very intriguing pick for me. Uh, and that's why I wanted to bring him up, uh, Braylon Marquez. So, and especially for the Cubs who have a reputation for not being able to develop um, any pitching whatsoever, which we talked about with Pierce Johnson, how he's kind of developed this niche for the Padres in a previous episode. So, and that's the prospects. Uh, we're trying to do one hitter and one pitcher every week as we, uh, as we get ready to wrap up uh, this, uh, our first season of the Total Basis Podcast, yes, we are going to go with a season-to-season format. This is, uh, we're nearing the end of our first season ever, uh, our first complete season. Are we going to have uh, a cliffhanger episode? We're going to have a cliffhanger episode where, like, <gasps> where previously on the <laughs> Total Basis Podcast, uh, Felipe was going to go for a circumcision. I don't know. <laughs> Did he call through? Did he follow through? Did his insurance cover it without an authorization? <laughs> So uh, we're going to, but yeah, we're looking ahead. Uh, let me see. Where's my calendar. I, you know, better if I have visuals here, cause I can't memorize. So we have, we're going to have a, 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 an award show uh, after the world series, right? Yes. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be more fantasy based, but I'm going to make it fun for myself. Cause aside from the MVP and the rookie and all that, which I forgot to uh, mention that to you, Sean, the rookie stuff, uh, rookie of the year stuff. I, I, I need to get on that, but it's going to be more, a lot, a little bit of fantasy baseball centric just because uh, why not? It is a fantasy baseball show first and foremost, but we're, we're going to try to expand and be all things to all people. And that's going to come after the world series. Well, obviously we're going to recap the world series as well because the, the way that we do it, then that's 
uh, through analysis and player evaluation and team roster building and all that. That's just why you tune in every Sunday. Uh, and then we're going to, we're, I, I didn't get a confirmation for you, Sean, but did you want to talk about the hall of fame ballot when it comes out? Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind. T- I like talking hall of fame stuff. Yeah. So that's going to come out November 16th. So we're probably going to talk about it on November 22nd, which leads us to Thanksgiving. And yeah, we'll be off for a week, maybe two weeks. And then winter meetings come, which we don't know what that's going to be like because uh, of COVID. So we'll see how that goes, but your boys will be here uh, talking about the winter meetings. And then we're going to be off for Christmas and New Year's and we're looking to come back what was it, January 4th or 11th? Something or like that. 4th? I think we were saying we were, we were going to come back in January 10th to start season two of the Total Basis podcast, and we'll start all over again for next year. Because you know what I don't like, Sean? Like, like for example, I don't want to pick on them, but I like this podcast, the Effectively Wild Podcast with Ben Lindbergh. Yes. And they're like an episode 1700, and that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's <laughs> so big of a number. Let's... <laughs> that's so big. <laughs> Yeah, it was 1,700. That means I have no reason to listen to any previous podcast ever because <laughs> I'm seriously, I don't. But uh, but I, I feel like this is a more um, easier way to digest these episodes because I know we, we talk a lot of stuff about, about current events, right? Yeah. But I like to believe that there's a little bit of something for everybody. I mean, we do make a lot of proclamations. We do make a lot of uh, scouty and, um, uh, uh, and analysis reports on players and teams. So it's going to be fun to look back at some of these old episodes and see how some of these players developed, um, you know, a year or two after the fact that we make these episodes. Uh, so that's that. Uh, did you want to touch base on that dynasty? I know we're over the hour already, right? I, I uh, the dynasty, not just yet, because the draft is still going. But I did want to just share this. I uh, just want to kind of preface it. I'm going to leave the link to the article in the comments below. Um, But for those of us that were with us last week, um, we talked about what makes the A so effective and you both using the opener as well as, you know, all of these seemingly random John Doe's that they pull off the street. And I I talked about, you know, all these different arm angles that the, the Rays have really started analyzing and looking into and that each pitcher that comes out you're, you're getting a totally different look, you know, Fairbanks up by the ear loop all the way over here to the left, uh, Ryan Thompson all the way over to the right. Well, Mike Petriello of MLB.com does a lot of great stat cast work. Um, he was the one who had kind of put me onto it. I think he was already, uh, getting the article, right. You know, he was writing it when he posted something on Twitter that got me looking into it and he put up some great graphics, um, here they are. Um, I have the screen, uh, the screen shared. Oh my gosh. But it's look how different all of these release points are. Uh, I mean, Ryan Thompson's all the way over here. Aaron loops all the way over here. Mm. And then two, two games later, you have Pete Fairbanks throwing hundred miles an hour from the right over the top. And that at the same time, you still have to face Ryan Yarborough. Who's over here to the left, Ryan Thompson back over here to the right. Uh, Mike Petriello does, goes really in depth. Um, I think this was my favorite graphic right here. And this is from the catcher's point of view. And this is the release points in matter of feet. Ryan Thompson's all the way, almost four feet off to the right. While Aaron loop is over four feet to the left. 
Oh. And I gotta go like this, Sean. I gotta go. I gotta put my arm like this and and really visualize it with like if I'm the catcher with the glove on. And then he's coming all the way from this side. It's it's wild. Um, and it's you know guys like Loop and Thompson. Uh, they both are the second most furthest release to that side, and they're both in the bottom six and lowest release point. It's really cool information here. I'm gonna link it. I'm gonna go ahead and post it in the comments. Feel free. Uh, does great work, but it was just one of those things that I'm glad I talked about it last week because Mike Petriello posted this on Thursday and right before the show started, I pulled up baseball Savannah as I always do. And I saw that and I was like, we talked about that. And it was, it was a really cool moment. Can you go back up a little bit where where the, uh, where the dots are? Um, Oh, this one, Oh, this one. Let's see. What's that? That's a release point from catcher's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see it though. You, You still need to go a little higher. Oh, um, I mean, there's the, the two of the two starts and then there's the one with, uh, all across. Okay. Just that one, that one right there, uh, okay. the, the two starts. I just want to point out just how consistent these guys are as they are just, this is what we hear about all the time, right? Like you, your fastball and your breaking pitches and your off speed pitches Tunneling. need to come from the same release point every single time, no matter what. Because hitters will notice that big difference, right? Yes. So, so I just wanted to point out how, how consistent, or as close to consistent, all of these pitchers are: Thompson, Curtis, Castillo, Snell, Loop, and even Yarbrough. Uh, well, Yarbrough has to have the most variance on his. Uh, it, 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 but that's his thing. Is like he just comes at you like all sorts of funky. So. But I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. But you're right. I, I just wanted to point out that this is what they're talking about. This is yeah. what. Yeah, because because like you said, hitters can and then Thompson over here at the bottom. There's that one fast, the, the fastball yeah, that's a, yeah, little, a little bit, bit higher than everything. <laughs> and then all his uh, other pitches are just like, what was that? Like an inch, maybe half an inch below that. Yeah, and it's it's pretty remarkable how consistent these guys are able to keep. And it's not just, uh, and you can yeah, thank you. You can take away yeah. that. But it's not just the, the the arm angles, but it's also we hear about from other pitchers all the time uh, that they got to work on their legs. Most of the power comes from their legs and their core. And, you know, I, I did it. I, I done, you know, I, I pitched just for giggles and I'm nothing too seriously, just for giggles. I tried pitching off a mound before it, it's tiring. Like if you don't have that condition to do that and be consistent, it is tiring taxing work to go through all the motions and, you, 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 <laughs> and over and over and over again. And to, to maintain the perfect, yeah. Uh, it's really uh, it's one of the craziest things. Yeah. So, I mean, kudos to all these guys who are able to do it on a consistent basis and be productive with it. And, uh, and this, these are the results. The Rays are going to the world series as they should, as they were the best team in the American league. And now we wait for the Braves and the Dodgers from to see who will meet them uh, in game one. So I'm looking forward to it. Anything else you wanted to talk about, Sean? No, that is uh, that's all for me. Uh, maybe next week, since we did kind of bring up tunneling at the very end, um, I'll bring up a couple of Jacob DeGrom's uh, game log, all of his pitch release points. And, <laughs> you know, if you want to look at, you know, obviously he's the best, one of the best pitchers in baseball. And if you want to see like machine-like efficiency, and it's funny with him because he just has those long arms and legs and you would think it would be so difficult to just maintain and it's like every single pitch his the curveball he doesn't throw it as much but when he does it is a little bit higher 
but the fastball curveball slider or a fastball changeup slider are all coming out within like the same area about that big. It's it's absolutely insane. But um, I'll save that for next week. Awesome. Looking forward to it as always. And for those who are out there, uh, you know, you like, did you like what you heard? This content, this information, you can listen to us through a variety of uh, ways. You can join us on Facebook and join the best baseball group out there, the Baseball Live Facebook group. Or you can catch this episode on YouTube and catch all the visuals that you might have missed on Sunday morning. If you want to catch us uh, tomorrow morning while you get ready to go to work. We're, we're on all the big-time podcast formats. Apple, if you listen to Apple, please give us a five-star rating. We beg you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know what else they do. I, I'm not into Apple because I do Stitcher and Spotify, but we're also there. We're on Anchor. That's, our, uh, that's what we do to upload all our podcasts on. You can listen to us there. Leave a review. Uh, if, Spotify if as well. And Spotify as well. Yes, thank you. Follow us. Make sure you follow us. Yep. And not just follow us, but when you follow us, Sean, you're also following the Life Group family of podcasts, right? Yep. Dong City is tomorrow evening. You can catch us there. Uh, what's on Tuesday? Tuesday's the Audible on the, at, over at Football Life and get some picks in action with Matt and Randy. On Wednesdays nights is the Step Back. Uh, they just recapped the entire uh, game six of the NBA Finals and kind of uh, putting the LeBron James uh, legacy into perspective and wanting his respect. I thought they did a wonderful job. Uh, they keep getting better and better every week I listen to them. So props to Leon and Jacob who are present in this podcast live. So ooh, thank ooh. you guys for the support. I really appreciate that. Uh, and then uh, Friday uh, morning, I think it's Matt and Randy again, although Randy is on hiatus, uh, or not hiatus, he's on vacation more than anything. So I don't know who uh, will be meeting Matt. Maybe it's me. Maybe it'll be somebody else. I don't know. Matt's full of surprises. And then we start right here all over again. We well, start podcast week on the Total Basements Podcast Sunday mornings right here at the Baseball Life Facebook group. For On behalf of Sean, I am Felipe. We'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody.